0: Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host,
1: Gypsy. And today we have Stephen Lawrence. Uh, He is an international teacher and founder and director of One Pointed Mind, which is a workshop that introduces educators to the concepts surrounding meditative psychology, um, Stephen, it's great having you here today.
0: Pleasure having you here.
2: Nice to meet you. It's nice to um, meet you, both. Thank you. So you should clarify, maybe I need to clarify. yeah, it's retired. It's retired teacher. I just retired ah. last year. Yeah, yeah okay. it's a big word. It's the r word. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: okay. Uh, I guess before we get into uh, uh, one pointed in mind, like what uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into this line of research?
2: Uh, Well, I was was a teacher for the past 12 years, international teacher living uh, in Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar. I was in uh, eventually in the last four years, I was in Shanghai. And uh, before that, I was in upstate New York where I'm currently at. And I was I just put myself through school. I was a heating contractor, you know, just just a trades kid through school through academics i wasn't i wasn't an an academic kid so like many like many kids you know at uh young boys you know graduating high school in the mid 90s it was you know a lot of people were going to college but it wasn't like an effort like a foregone conclusion that you were absolutely everybody was absolutely going to college that's that's the way it is today back then it it wasn't quite there yet you know uh so i just got a job in a warehouse. And one thing led to a next. And by the time I was, you know, 24, 25 or six, six or so 26, I I had the plumbing business did it for five years, started teaching when I was 31 and just retired and, um, started, uh, the, within my first year of teaching, I had noticed that I was going to like, I started to do workshops for teachers to in, to talk about meditative psychology and, and meditation and what it because I was doing my own research before I became a teacher and I was finding some really interesting things just for me personally. Then when I became a teacher, it was clear with like and I'm saying literally the first day of teaching I needed to do something because the the, the kids weren't <laughs> gonna be paying attention. It, it, some of them weren't. And and I was listening to your podcast that you that you had with Abigail the other day, and that was Uh, That's her name.
1: Abigail.
2: Abigail, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was listening to that, that, and and she was talking about ADHD and, you know, so I'm a teacher in that environment with other, with other kids. And I found a a really strong connection between the work that I was in my own personal studies and and into meditative practices and then how it translated. So for my, my teaching career, it was always there and um finally got the opportunity to retire so i could focus full time on this and uh getting a phd in clinical psychology i'm transitioning into doing some therapy and uh, working in the clinical settings at that level uh and since being back i've actually been doing some plumbing and heating businesses i got jobs again i just uh, actually just to get away from the computer just to start you know just to get out and just just do a job here and job there and now that i'm back in new york not living abroad anymore and uh yeah so that's the roundabout way that's what it is and where are you from originally upstate new york upstate new york. yeah upstate okay. Okay. yeah yeah
1: so what is meditative psychology because i don't think i've ever heard that term
2: so uh many you've heard you've heard of meditation right, right? yes yeah everyone's heard that so Uh, in the field of meditative psychology, which isn't necessarily my focus in my PhD work. It just, it's, it's one of those schools of thought within the world of psychology or psychiatry. So I guess you, if you were to, if you were to see, um, let's say like uh, the field of psychology, this, all those people who study psychology, teach psychology, all the theories and philosophies and blah, blah, blah. That's the music industry. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you've got hip hop. You got soul. You got R&B. You got country. You got jazz. You got all these, right? And uh, so, within these different schools of thought within psychology, like a different genre of music, in a sense, uh, meditative psychology is a, is, a, is a is a branch within there that that examines the impact that the practice of meditation has on people's everyday day to day, but also the impacts on the mind and what's and, and if and, and if you're looking at trying to Say, lack of a better term, help somebody, or to examine the challenges that somebody may be having, or someone's condition, or whatever it may be, um, doesn't have to be a disorder. It could be just how minds work. How 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 I, I'm okay, but I could feel probably a little better. Like you know, I don't have disorder, but I you know something I don't know. So,
0: or at least knowing what was, what right feeling right is. A lot of people don't right. really know what feeling right with meditation and balance really
2: is. So you can, or what them, wrong oh, is
0: you, <laughs> you say, well,
2: <laughs> or what <laughs> wrong is, right? Yeah, like, right. this is like, you might not feel good, but like, that's not wrong per yeah. se. Right. Like, right. uh, you, you, you're, you, in grief. That's not wrong. Agreeing right? that you
0: do feel something feels off. Or you yeah. You
2: acknowledge wrong. it. Yeah. Right. Um, but, um, the, the, the psychologist, Carl Jung, he sort of broke it down into these ideas, not right or wrong, but like sense and nonsense does this make sense like right like so mm-hmm. there's there's plenty of psychologists who work with someone and i don't mean to laugh it's not the, the degrading it but it's like there's no there's no wonder why you're struggling with your situation with your predicament you've had a really tough go at it man right mm-hmm. it's not as, that that doesn't that's not it's not as if it, it it makes sense it's not it's not a nonsensical situation right it makes sense so right. you know there so then when you're looking at engaging somebody in that position to whatever degree in the spectrum it is with any disorder, like 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 you're saying, uh, I'm good. I could just maybe feel a little better. Um, the meditative psychology looks at what meditation understands really intricately. What is meditation? What states of consciousness does that bring about? How does that impact the brain? How does it impact the body? How does it impact emotions? All these myriad of different. So you could look at emotions and disorders or whatever mental processes. And you can say, okay, I'm going to use the lens of meditative psychology to examine this. I'm going to use a humanist lens to interpret that. I'm going to use this other lens. Somebody writes a song. Willie Nelson writes a song. Ray Charles did it. It's said now another artist is going to do it. Now another artist is going to do that song as well. So it's the same song. It's the same individual, but there's different interpretations of what's going on. Wow. Okay. All right. So meditative psychology is approaching this to understand, okay, what impact could meditation protect maybe have on this particular situation? So it's just a way of looking at something, not the right one, necessarily just a a perspective.
0: So like my father is a carpenter and Mm. I, I can visual, I'm not really a carpenter myself, but even just a little project that I've done, I can visualize how much his brain, is has been churning as far as growing up and how much he can focus on a carpentry job and how much he can just really care about anything else out there in the world but my father's never did meditation and we kind of got into meditation around college so i grew up in the church but it, we were taught more prayer i think i've mentioned this on another podcast taught more prayer but not mm. too much on meditation to for him he's been basically you know working pretty good and i'm sure as even as a plumber before you have you always known about meditation during your plumbing career and now as a plumber how does it really how is it able to help you like if my father even though he's he just had his 70th birthday and he says the greatest birthday or best birthday he's ever had if Word. i was to even try to introduce meditation to him do you think? Well, I, we already know that it'll have positive benefits, but how would that work? Or, or how? What? What kind of improvements do you think that it would have with his day to day as a as a carpenter? Now he works alone right now. Does all the jobs on his own. He's been doing it his whole life, so he he gets job after job after job. And he he stays moving.
2: Got it. He's at peace, so, pretty much. Yeah. Say say finish. Go he's, ahead. He's pretty Sorry.
0: much at peace. Single single guy. Yeah. Lives alone, but just something to. As another, as why well, he's at a happy point in his life, and even to kind of get him to try to introduce meditation. With how 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 would I do that?
2: One thing that's interesting about there's there, there a couple of things in there to unpack, and I'm gonna just give me a, give me like a hand in the air if I get hands gentle. I don't want to talk too much. I try to I know, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. What I ended up doing was, all right. So first, let's say let, let let's examine what meditation is. What is the the idea of what i'm what i'm saying the word meditation what do i imply what 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 am i suggesting all right so from my point of view the way it appears to me the way it seems to me is that meditation is a state of consciousness meditation when you're in a meditative state you're one pointed now there's dials there's levels of degrees of meditation because consciousness like degrees of anger Degrees of sadness, degrees of love. Okay, there's degrees of a meditative state. What I was doing with my students, and often what is going on, perhaps, perhaps with your with your father, and with me as being a plumber. When I was doing a job today this week, I'm I'm helping someone out get doing something. And when I'm talking about a one pointed focus, if you can have a one pointed focus, you're in it. You're focused on it. You're a musician. The music is i mean you're you know that feeling you're gone man it's not even the words as a fellow musician like there's there's levels of understanding the song as a musician for me this is my experience even writing the lyrics writing it down then you like okay now i re- now i remember the lyrics now i know the lyrics and then i can let go of even of, of even needing to think at all about the lyrics they're just it's I'm, all of a sudden the song is over with and I was gone as the channel for that music when it's right. And it's the, that's the flow the state, the stretch, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. So when it comes to introducing the ideas to your father, what's, what's interesting is that from my point of view, when he's in those one pointed States or for when, whenever we're in those one pointed States, I'm just doing my thing and I'm good because I'm in it and I'm doing it. That's a one-pointed state. That is in itself a meditation, right? right. What tip now where we're getting uh, where it applies and where it's relevant and, and why it's difficult to be in those states is somewhat of what Abigail had mentioned last week, uh, the, the last podcast with some of the challenges that we have just living, right? So if I if 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 my if my intention is to be in that one-pointed state, connected with somebody in a conversation, for instance when you're there, you're there and you know, it simply bringing our attention to it. You know, much of what I say in this podcast or what might babble about some, some other time, or it's not like, these aren't my discoveries. I like these it's at all. Like these are, these are ancient ideas. The question is really trying to, for me, it was like getting it into education, getting it into the day to day routine of an, of, of, of a person's life. However that looks, which speaks directly to your question. So, the way that that would look would be for your father some people they're in for 15 minutes 20 minutes seated meditation eyes closed nothing's around doors closed i'm in my seat as they say that's that right then there's the other driving a car one pointed focused no radio you have a conversation with somebody but you know that's that's that you know you know no podcast and not not trying to get that extra text out while you're at at the red light even right because it's not absolutely necessary but the mind in the in the that that process is going to engage that when you the beautiful thing about going into like a meditative state which your father maybe has never experienced before yeah i'm sure he's never but if i were to guide him or someone was to bring him into that state of stillness within not necessarily just a one pointed focus outside but if you go inside into that state then you start to have conversations about. What is that like what is what is that experience right and and um not necessarily like is it for me or is it not for me? It's just like how does that look how might it look for me if I was to try to integrate that to, into my day at at some time right
0: yeah, I've just kind of been talking to him more about you know experiencing some new things just at his age. I have a little nice. experience with meditation, but it's you know nothing so all i could I could say maybe. 40 minutes to an hour sitting still is more of the best that i've i got to and i can understand you know even once i got past five minutes and 10 minutes and 15 minutes and 30 minutes and yeah it 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 felt you know different or you could get lost in it a lot more or a lot easier and it's easier to sit still and sit there and do it but i know it'll probably be a little tough trying to introduce it to him i was just curious about
2: you know yeah you know. well i would say uh one one of the uh, you want to do one now i'll show you a really awesome one minute meditation you can actually guide your father through this sure sure yeah it's it's actually really i find it very very powerful uh I, and actually what you can do is you'll find us on our youtube channel it's, it's the 5 10, 15, right okay. so what we'll end up doing is we're going to do a five second inhalation five second exhalation 10 second inhalation 10 seconds 10 10, 10 seconds out. 15 in, 15 out. Yeah. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'll do the count. Actually, I'll do this. So I don't, you might hear a clicking, but the last time I did this for someone, I was noticing I was guiding them. My, my count was off, you know, because I had it recorded, <laughs> right? It was, I was having a conversation. I was like, well, that was like 20 seconds. It wasn't 15. No wonder it was so hard. So I'll, I'll, I have a timer, right? Okay. My father's timer, he gave me so I can keep track. My father had this when he was, he was young. Wow. This was, okay. uh, this is the one he gave me when I became a teacher so that I can keep track of timing of things in my classroom. So here we are doing a meditation for your father from my father. This is dope. All right. So, (laughs) so, uh, I'll guide you through the process. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you have complete power and control over how much breath you take the, whether you stop, whether you continue, it's all, you have complete power and control. All right. So I'll, Guide you through to bring your attention to your face, to your shoulders and your arms, and et cetera, et cetera. So we'll do a practice one real quick. We'll do a five-second in, mm-hmm. right? So we'll go in, slow and steady. Four, five, and out. Steady, no rush. Two, one. Okay, that's that. You can breathe. Let let your body breathe I'll, I'll, however it wants to breathe. Now inhale i'm just in, gonna
0: inhale through the nose or which do you recommend whatever
2: you want okay. sometimes um do the nose like i usually so, inhale nose go, and exhale mouth sure what um it depends right yeah. sometimes you'll feel like you want to get like a lot of energy like if i'm trying to it's it's a, it could be a mouth breath now there is some suggest, then there's some indications perhaps that if you're breathing through the nose it's more of a relaxed breath Okay. And the mouth could be a bit more of a uh, fight or flight kind of trigger. I maybe, that. you know, like, but however, I've done plenty of breaths meditations myself where I'm just, the, I'm breathing through my mouth just because it's what I'm inclined to do at this time. Right. So it is what it is. And however you want to do it, complete control. Right. Um, yeah. So that was the five in five out. And, and I just, just watching your mannerisms as we we're having this conversation, there was a shift. Gypsy, I saw there was a shift about three seconds in to the first breath. You slowed down after you got the breath in, and then at least what I observed, it looked like there was a there was a coming down, there was a settling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got control of the breath <laughs> and the calmness, right? Yeah. So th- what what we're exploring in this experience is that's our normal state, that heightened angst. Yeah, at least for me, right? that is. Yeah. Yeah. that for many right because it's that's just in distress of the days That's the family, that's this, that's that, that bah, 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 bah. that's just so what what happens is we end up bottle not bottling it in a negative thing nah, It's just we contain it. Our bodies respond to it mm-hmm. because of the adrenaline and the in the subtle stressors that we feel and we'll experience and let's we can if if our conversation goes into that way we can we can discuss that more. so for this, you're you're going to notice that as we go through this, your your the mind is going to start to grab your attention. You're the, you're going to notice chatter, maybe a voice in the head, the the noise, mm-hmm. thinking. Right. What I'm asking you to do is bring your attention to feeling, not thinking, feeling. Feeling—it's not in the head. Gypsy's looking up. She's like, well, "How do I feel?" Yeah, I'm like, Wait, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> it's great. It's great. It's perfect, right? Because what you're—you—you're you, you're not going to—you can't think through it. You can't think yourself into it. It's underthinking. It's actually absence of thought. It's feeling. The nothing in the center of the chest. It's—it's it's your essence. It's a—you're down. You're here. Hey. And you can feel the lungs moving as you take the breath. You'll feel the chest moving. You'll feel the belly and the arms. And, and, right? and I'm going to guide you through. Just keep working your way. So what's going to happen is you're going to get into the thinking, am I doing this right? Am I going to make it to the 10 seconds? Maybe I'm going too fast. Well, what if I'm going too fast? Well, if I'm going too fast, maybe it's not right. And he told me not to think of a purple gorilla, but here I am thinking of a purple gorilla. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. So you're going to oh, notice that. Voice. Then what you'll do is when you no judgment here. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's normal. Just be aware of the fact that that happens. And when you can move your attention back into the feeling with my guidance, with my voice, keep going, say what may say what may. And then after this, then we can talk about what does it feel like? What is meditation? What is a one pointed state? Right. I can't teach you. I can't tell you what a strawberry tastes like. If you've never tasted a strawberry, we can't discuss it. All right. So here we go. Got it. All right. Here we go. Not a big deal, don't know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesse got a big old smile on his show. Worry. No. it's good, here we go, yeah, just simply close your eyes, keep it simple. Simply close your eyes, if you wanna close your eyes, you can keep your eyes open, no problem. So here we go, we're gonna go in for simple breath of five, in, nice and smooth, four, five, and out. Three, two, one, in. Nice and smooth. You can feel your face, your chest, eight, nine, 10 and out nice and steady. No rush. Use the nose, use the mouth, doesn't matter. Into your shoulders now in for 15. Move down to your elbows and down to your hands. Fingertips to the shoulders. Feel them all, now out for 15, nice and steady. You got it, complete control into the chest, into the face, the neck, around the ears, and three, two, one, that's it. Keep your eyes closed, keep the eyes closed. Let the body breathe as the body wants to breathe. You can feel the center of the chest. Give yourself three full breaths at your own pace. And after the third breath, gently open your eyes. After the third exhalation, no rush, hold the center. Now, as the eyes open, stay. You can still feel the center. And then there's the awareness of the world around you, just as you're aware of the thinking, just as you're aware of the breath, just as where you're aware of the arms, you can be aware of what you're seeing the world, stay there. So you hold the center. And then you look, you can be aware of the thoughts, the outside world, the body on the chair. Okay. So, well, that'll conclude the meditation. So when we are not in that state of presence, stillness, we are typically in thinking mm-hmm. and the thinking is typically con- is constructed about it could be a problem, not a bad problem, right your your father trying to figure out what uh, how long this needs to be. How, what 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 type of wood am i using what's the angle calculations of distance and all the the, picturing it and seeing it in his mind's eye all that those are
0: all the the things that i was visualizing during the project that i was doing so i could only imagine it was temporary so i could only imagine he's been doing this for years
2: years now that's we can we can stick with that when we start to talk about doing something skillfully with mastery and then there's genius and Right. But, you know, working with children, working with uh, setting up a podcast, whatever the calculation may be right. that you're in. You know, so you're you're not solving a problem, a, a problem as in a bad thing. It's just you're doing something. <laughs> you're right. just simply doing something right. That That's that state of doing what you need to do. Then there's also thoughts about the future, about relationships. well, I have to go, I have to do this or I have to do that. And I, those, that, that happens in the thinking as well, right? Projected to the future or the stuff that happened in the past or that that I didn't do this correctly, or maybe I could have done better reflection, positive reflection or regret and, you know, stress, trauma, whatever may be real problems from our experiences from the past. So if we're not in the state of stillness, A meditative state of consciousness which is what you were experiencing and can continue and is continued to be experienced into the future while you're doing your work right and when you're not in that state that you begin to feel in a meditative experience you're in the thinking and then you start to notice eventually wow the type of thinking that's going on the type of thought that that is happening I'm aware of the fact that that thought is happening. This is where meditative psychology kicks in. I am not the thought. I'm under it. I'm observing it. It's just something that happens in what we call the mind. So it doesn't solve necessarily everyone's problems, but it gives a perspective of what, if we're having challenges, angst and worry and stress and diabetes and whatever uh, so many, biological disorders that are are, uh, not even disorders just ailments sicknesses heart attacks strokes uh, whatever it may be Uh, so much of it is engaged in in thinking in our relationship with thinking that's what meditative psychology explores okay
1: so i know there's i guess there's i've heard of different styles of meditation in your research do you feel like different styles of meditation produce different results in terms of like effects afterwards from the meditation, um, whether it's 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 in your brain or um, physically? It's
2: a good question. I I had uh, my PhD, I think my dissertation, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be looking at meditation as prescription. So what that does is looks at, looks at the different types of meditation practices, different traditions, uh, but also dispositions of individuals. What is this person? What is their history with whatever it is that they're experiencing, right? To what extent is it a result? To what extent is the difficulties that they're experiencing a, a result of the brain and the functioning of the brain, for instance? To what extent is this a result of their past experiences or their current circumstances or situations? you you're not going to you're not going to meditate away your problems that's just not going to happen right so what it does is it allows us a chance to be more skillful with the thinking in ourselves and our emotions and the body and understanding more uh, i would call it a deeper understanding of what is actually going on with me personally for instance or you Um, the different types of meditation there are there there are meditations uh, that I can use in a therapy and many others can use in a, in a therapy setting that will actually re- um, I don't want to say replicate, but it will induce a, a, a psychoactive experience
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's not unlike an LSD experience or, uh, or some other t- type of psychedelic experience mm-hmm. That's using breath skillfully with through a, a, a particular practice, um, but that's a, that's a two hour deep breathing, profound breath meditations. And they're just they're ridiculous. They're magic for I think they're magic. But like, then you actually have a whole nother level of depth and emotional release and, you know, alkalizing the body in real time, shifting brain centers, the whole area, just certain areas of the brain, they all but shut off. And you go into a different completely different even neural frequency into a very uh, into a theta frequency and when you're in a theta frequency in the brain that's a deep meditative state or even sleep state i think it may even be the stage four sleep state if i'm not if i'm not wrong the deepest state of sleep but you're conscious but your brain is in that frequency but you're awake so that's an entire different shift of a whole different state of consciousness you have a 5 10 15 which you just i'm getting i say i drove home and it's like man i got all the stuff i got all the shit in me for my day and i'm going to go into my house now let me do 5 10 15 quick right now that 5 10 15 for us to do it here it was long you know i explained it and blah 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 but that's literally a minute literally Yeah. Right. That's why I love it so much because I know where I'm at. It's a minute meditation. Your deep meditations, your seated meditations, for instance, in large extent can be determined by the amount of times you're doing a 5, 10, 15. If you do three 5, 10, 15s a day, three, you wake up in the morning before you don't even touch your phone. Your phone doesn't need to be touched for 15 minutes, at least, fact, maybe even an hour. Really? What are we doing? Right? Don't even worry about it do what you need to do. Wash your face, wake up, blah, 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 Grab a glass of water, sit down and do a five, 10, 15, do a five, 10, 15 in your bed. Don't even have to get up yet. Right. Yeah. Just do it. And then at lunch, before you eat your food, your foods before you, there's no phone, there's nothing else going I mean, Maybe people around, but like get away from your screen, put your phone away, find yourself outside someplace if you can, or at least receiving sunlight in some way, seeing something green, something that's alive and give yourself that space. Do a five, ten, fifteen. Do a prayer to follow. A little blessing, if, if 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 that's your inclination. If it's if it isn't, just do the five, ten, fifteen. Bring yourself to the center of the chest. Open your eyes, and then just be focused with your meal, present with the food. Yeah. Right. Another great opportunity to be off your phone for ten minutes. Just eat your food. Feel it. Taste it. You know, and have a conversation with somebody. These are very little things that we do or don't do which has profound implications for our day-to-day psychological processing and our ways of thinking emotional balance we're not even considering the implications or the connections between all of these experiences in the day and then the angst or the stress that that, that we feel in our chest it's interesting
1: yeah one of the tricks i had to keeping like when i was consistently meditating every day the trick was like i told myself it didn't matter how long like if all I had was five minutes, I woke up late and I'm I need to get ready for work and I, all I had was five minutes. That's all I had. Like I can do a two minute meditation, a five minute meditation. But you I know three second meditation. Yeah, three seconds like, is fine. And you can keep the consistency a lot longer that way when you're just not judging the time. Just make the, any time for it. And um, I noticed when I did have a gap, it's just chaos happened in the brain and it took a few times before I noticed the pattern like it was mean I got used to meditating and having a certain balance and then I stopped and then all the chaos started over time
2: you know I love the analogy of the calm pond if you throw a pebble on a calm pond then you'll see every little ripple you know yeah. but if it's yeah. a if it's stormy out and you throw the pebble you won't see anything exactly it just goes right yeah so when you when we practice at least the best we can um, uh, uh, just just considering this, just looking at opportunities to be one pointed in a meditative seat, perhaps, but even just going about the day thinking about it um, then that's exactly right then then when the emotion kicks, then you can notice it when it's happening and you can re- you can deal with it. You can observe it. And it's what I find interesting about it is that it becomes less personal. The thought isn't me, but oftentimes what we do and I do this as well as on as if you know I'm, I have a mind, I have an ego, I'm a, you know, I do, you know, whatever. But, right. um, but often it seems that if the thoughts just happen, they're coming into my awareness. I was coming this evening, a handful of stuff that was coming into my office area to meet you, right? And it's finished the dishes, dead nice dinner, blah blah blah, and I the thought the 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 thought appeared to into into awareness. Don't forget to stop into the bathroom on the way through to get your glasses. Interestingly, where does that thought? It just it just appears. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not me. I didn't create the thought. I I became aware of it or didn't. There's sixty thousand thoughts a day that happen in the mind. So many of them are just repeated nonsense, but the, there are certain ones that get our attention. And if the un, if the quote unquote nonsense ones are of anger or of resentment or are of fear or anxiety based or e- typically ego based. Ego is this interesting idea that in the, at least as it's used in like the yogic concept, the yogic, ancient yogic, 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 yogic sages, they had this idea, Ahankara, and it's roughly translated essentially as the ego, but not like Freud's ego percent, like as like a type of thinking, it, 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 sorry, it's, this, this this gets muddy when you start to compare different philosophies, and use the same words, it's like, cause they don't necessarily imply to mean the same thing. Right. So the way that the yogic sage is perceived ego is that it's a part of the mind that creates the individual itself. So if so, essentially, if I didn't have that function, I would not perceive you and perceive me as being separate. Right. So we wouldn't have a conversation, right? Oh, so it, it's it's the eye maker, essentially. So this eye maker then develops this idea that it's separate. And then from early childhood, we realize that everything is outside of us. Nothing is inside. If I want food, I got to go to the mother. If I want warmth, I need the mother. If I want to be nurtured and cared for, I need the mother. If I want protection, I need whatever, a mother. and And, and, and then you start to engage these different relationships with different people as we work. And then that's our default mode as they say it's the default mode of like you know you turn the computer on macintosh is the default you turn steve on the default mode is steve right or gypsy yeah. whoever right so the thoughts often about um the the anger the resentment whatever, they're very often ego based and it's i am here everything is there i lack And I must acquire on the outside to achieve whatever it may be or to prevent something negatively from happening, right? So if I have a fearful thought, it's as they say, it's often uh, a fear of losing what I have or not getting what I want. Um, I have a fear of losing what I have or not getting what I want. One of the two. And you can respond. You might not even be aware of it. You're probably not even aware of it. But what's interesting is the body is aware of it. The brain is aware of it. And then the brain drips adrenaline. brain drips the fight and flight chemicals very very subtly very subtly not like i heard a lion or a dogs running at me and then the you feel it immediately you it's it's actually it doesn't even reach the brain it actually just the body just the body just releases it right you flinch it doesn't literally it doesn't even reach the brain the spinal cord processes that that's how fast it is right mm-hmm. so if we have these fearful thoughts that we're not aware of and the fear the the brain just does what it does. It's just, it's it's just a stupid mechanism. It has the, the senses and then it responds. If I have anger, it's about the past. I have a thwarted desire. I wanted something I didn't get it. I wanted something I didn't get it. I I wanted something. Steve wanted something. The ego wanted something. And the idea was that it needed to be acquired in order to enhance something.
0: <laughs> something.
2: And I didn't get it. Something. But I didn't get it. And therefore, there's the anger right? Sometimes it's legitimate and it's not all a bad thing. Fear isn't always a bad thing, but when it's undetected, then what happens is it builds into the body and and that becomes the default mode. These practices of going into that calm pond, go into that space to calm the pond. When fear hits you, you feel it quickly. Then you can examine it. I feel it now. I feel it. It's not in the thinking. I feel it here in my chest or my belly, belly for me, a lot in the belly. And then I can examine it. What am I afraid of? I feel the anxiety. What is it? Oh, okay. That's what it is. Right. Rather than being fearful and being in that, as you said, chaos, what a great word. Mm -hmm. It's (laughs) chaos
0: feeling. yeah. But it's hard to, to get your brain to actually, you know, put up that, I guess the okay mechanism to where it keeps you from, you know, shooting out that fear. You know with those thoughts or to being able to filter those certain thoughts and you know if even if it's a random negative thought and you can just be able to turn it into something positive i've kind of noticed in some of my beginning stages of meditation i was working as a, a vet tech assistant in georgia and it helped with my day period because certain things like i said didn't trigger those types of things it it really helped keep the fear to a minimum and keep those certain anxiety stabs to a minimum so i definitely understand what you're saying on that Mm.
1: what would you say to someone that's like i could i can't meditate i I can't sit there and quiet my brain or else like negative thoughts will start pouring in um what are some ways that you can encourage them, I guess, to meditate, or at least to find a fine well, way to uh, control those thoughts. Yeah,
2: I would say, first. I say, I would probably joke and say, "Welcome to the club." <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, right.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you are human too. Cool, nice to see you. Nice to see you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, well, first, I would say, um, so because so so sometimes. Well, you know, yeah. Here's the thing. Those negative thoughts are always there. They're not there just because you're sitting in meditation. Right. Yeah. But you're right?
1: distracted the other time. So.
2: Now you're, yeah, you're right. They're right. That's your default mode. And imagine, could you, right? Like it's, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting to think that that's the default often, right? So those negative thoughts come in. And so what we typically do is, is we realize that what I have is control over where my attention goes often, not all the time, mm-hmm. right? Because even if even if I wanted to, I'm the way that the brain works. It's gonna sway, and you're 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 in your your attention is gonna shift somewhere, somewhere, somehow within ninety every ninety seconds at least, yeah, at least right. What I one one thing you know we were as a teacher we were noted. I I, I had learned that you really need particularly with, it depends on the age, but you need a transition every. 10, 10, 11 minutes or something like that. You need something that changes the the, the dynamics of what's going on. You can't necessarily sit and lecture, right? You though yeah. you can, but you got to do something different because otherwise people, as much as they might be interested, they literally can't. That's just, they, They're just not going to, right? You ju- you go out and you come back again. You go out and go out. So if yeah. I'm talking to a room of a hundred people at, at any one point I in time, I can predict that one third of that, of that, crowd is not focusing on what i'm saying yeah and then when they are another third isn't (laughs) right and when that that other third is the next third isn't (laughs) right Right. so it's just a cycle and when we're when when we're when we're in this state and gypsy to, to to i guess speak to your point um you begin to divert your you you when you become aware of the fact that i am This is the type of thought that's got my attention currently. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring my attention someplace else, the best I can now. If it, it, what's probably going to happen is when you're in these experiences and they're going into in and out in meditation, they're often going to notice that it's the same type of thought or it's the same situation, and maybe the relationship. There's something that's going on in that person's life and day at that time, and that's the type of thought, right? It could be anxiety about bills or it could be just what do I have to get for at the grocery store? And don't forget yeah. this. Oh, and then don't forget that. And don't forget that. And don't forget that. Right. And that's a grocery store list that's going off on the head. For that person, I would say then you need to do a better job of making a grocery list during the week. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: right. So then when it's time to do the, the meditation, you don't need to worry about you. You don't have to try to hold on to it. You can let it go. So when the grocery thoughts come in, you can you can sacrifice, as they say, I don't need to worry about this now. It's not something that I need to try and remember. Now, if it's like, oh, don't forget broccoli. OK, well, now when I'm when it's, when I'm doing meditation, I'm going to put broccoli on my list. But don't resent the fact that the thought of broccoli came up because then you're just caught up in the resentment of broccoli. Right.
0: Yeah. So if right, like a, a tip for so, like if that happens when you're sitting there in a meditation and you kind of spiral out of focus. Any tips for like a good reset? How can you, you know, I right, reset and then get back into your focus and
2: move on? Let's forward. do it right now. Let's do it right now. The three of us go in for five seconds. Deep, go in. Don't overthink it. Just breathe in. Four, five, out. Steady, smooth, control. No rush. Nowhere to go. Five seconds does not go quicker because you wanted to. Two one that's it right open your eyes back up again then carry on okay bang right back so the count. If, if now like i had mentioned though often practice is going to help a lot the practice mm-hmm. okay if you don't get good sleep if your sleep is off you know you got a bad night's sleep the meditation is going to be more difficult
0: yeah
2: yeah facts it's just the way it is because the, the, the processing of the brain if you if you're under hydrated that's why i suggest get a glass of water You know if you if you're not a huge water fan just put some lemon juice in there a little bit just a squeeze and get you know something going i'd rather Um, say you need to
0: be a water fan if you're not a big water (laughs) fan you need to become a water fan (laughs) yeah
2: you can do it totally (laughs) if you're hung over if you're hung over it's going to be tough to meditate it's just you know whatever uh it's, there's so many factors that are involved in why our mind and brain and body is doing what it is at at any one point. You know, um, if you're under a particular stressful situation, not just broccoli list stuff, but like, no, man, I have a serious issue. Like something really that is a problem, right? Uh, I have a medical condition or I have chronic pain or I have chronic things that are preventing me from, they're just taking me out. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. You know, it's interesting with, with say if you have a, a, a client or if I were a psychologist and you have a, someone who's suffering, suffering from chronic pain, the only treatment of chronic, not the only treatment, but but, but you're not going to give something to get rid of the chronic pain. That's the definition of chronic pain. It's there and it's not going okay. away. And it's probably going to be with you for the rest of your life. And it's uncomfortable and if the, it's debilitating. It's preventing you from being able to go out to the mailbox and you're 40, you're 30 years old, right. right? That's tough to deal with, man. You know, you want me to sit in meditation. The thoughts about what the individual would want to do or be able to do is gonna come up in their mind. It's gonna appear, right? Yeah. So the treatment for chronic pain is psychological, very often. The most effective treatments are psychological treatments. And one thing that they would often use is a meditative practice or the cognitive behavior therapy, uh, Mindfulness based stress reduction is another very common one. Uh, But what ultimately is happening within the field of, in the world of these, of this philosophy is I'm going to be in a space where I'm aware of the resentment of my chronic pain. I'm not the, I'm not in the resentment of the chronic pain. And if I can hold something outside away from me and see it, I can decide what am I going to do with that energy right now? I can take that thought. And if it's a debilitating thought, and it's a worry, and it's legit, it's not just something that's getting in my way, but it's a serious thing that I need to rob people with serious issues, then you can sacrifice it. And you can turn it, some people, I I often would put it into a fire in the center of my chest, or I could visualize a fire in front of me, and I could take that, and I can vision it as a being, literally, I would vision it as a being a stick, this is for me, a stick, and I put it in the fire, and I just watch in my mind's eye. I feel the warmth inside of me, of the fire becoming brighter with the sacrifice of that which, which which was debilitating me. The promise is that the more that you're able to do that in a pattern, then you're not only rewiring your brain, literally the frontal lobe, its relationship with the back of the brain, the parietal lobe, hippocampus, amygdala, those areas are, are they're different. They function differently with people who are regular meditators. The amygdala is very emotion-based. Uh, it's it's um, um, emotion, emotion, uh, emotion memory, um, right? So our emotional response, the amygdala is a very, very important factor in that it's part of the brain. So this part of the brain is different with people who meditate. We see it in science with the fMRI imaging. It's a different process. With that individual, six months later, their amygdala functions differently. And a byproduct of that is emotional intelligence emotional regularity, not flying off the handle. Doesn't mean they don't have fear or anger. No, no, that's all right. What? it's, it's different. It's different. The hippocampus is very important for memory and learning. And it's also responsible for stress in some, in, in, in some, uh, the stress processes, but also, um, uh, like, like also. emotion, uh, it's, it's, they're, they're both, they're very related, but if the hippocampus, which is responsible largely for, for learning, Trans, I should say learning, transferring information from the short term to the long term stores. So we have like a working memory, two to three seconds. You do something with it or it's gone, that information. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So if you hear somebody's name, you ideally is you do something with <laughs> that name right otherwise it's gone yeah the tip for me it works really really saying? well <laughs> right right i met shirley today and now there's the second time i met shirley because the first time i was like i don't know a shirley i remember this and i came back to the coffee shop today in the town that i'm doing this job to grab a cup of coffee and i was just like i'm so sorry i can't remember your name and she goes i can't remember yours either so and she said shirley i was just like and i was like shelly I, I knew it was there and i said oh because i don't know a shirley so I couldn't mm. associate her name with somebody else that I know. So therefore I had less chance of that's my trick for me. You do something with it. You associate the person's name with someone else that, you know, with that name, the likelihood of you remember them is exponentially higher because you've done something with it in two to three seconds. Right okay. now, Shirley Temple. Now I, I'll never remember. I'll never forget Shirley. Cause I was like, I don't know a person, but Shirley Temple. So that's her. Right. Uh, now then it goes within a couple of minutes, into um, short-term memory. Working memory first, short-term is a couple of minutes. Now you want to do something again within a couple of minutes with that individual or with that information or whatever it is. And then you have a better chance of it going into long-term stores to be recalled later on. That's all a neurological process. But it starts with the psychological process, which is interesting, Mm -hmm. the intention to associate it or the habit of associating the names with someone else you know. That's a practice and the reason it becomes a practice and the reason it becomes habit is because at first you start to realize, Oh, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing it and I keep forgetting
0: yeah.
2: that's normal. And then what, the reason that I'm doing it more in part literally is because my brain is different now than when I first started doing it. That's now my default mode name. Ideally try to associate it. Same thing will happen with stressful thoughts, stressful thought appears. This is what I do with this type of thought. It's just a thought. We we put the emphasis on it. We say it is yeah. stress or a name. It's we define it right. So our relationship with it changes. It's just a, it's, it's just a thing, and, and, and half the time it's not even real. It's just in our heads. It doesn't like, in the present moment in the meditative state it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just exists in our head. It's something that happened something previously, bad. or it might happen in the future. It's or a might trip, not man. even happen. it probably won't happen. Yeah, it might not. Happen, and it's no, utter, no. It, it's <laughs> utter delusion. And that's our, it, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's what we, that's how we live. That's how, you know, it's, 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 it's hard it's to control trip, it too.
0: Sometimes you know, you get better at yeah. it, but it is, it is hard to control. And you do wonder where the thoughts come from. Well, you know where they come from, but I know that I personally have gotten better with that. Hmm. As far as I
2: find it interesting for me, like often you don't know where for me, but right. So when I would work with a, a client, for instance, uh, th- they're dealing with whatever it is that they're dealing with. Right. And, you know, some people are like, oh, this is a past life. It's a past life thing. It's like, oh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I, maybe it is. I don't I, But I, maybe it isn't. I, I have no idea. Right. And I started to notice this particularly with myself as for, as well. But I'm dealing with someone, and they're anxious they're have anxiety, they're, they're having a difficult day, whatever, right? And we we're talking about something, and now when I was this would actually come up often when I was talking about those uh, gypsy. We we're talking about those deeper meditation states yeah. of like heavy breathing for a couple of hours, right. you start to experience emotional release, which is, uh, it's utterly beautiful. It's, it's, it's incredible. But then you have the debrief after that beforehand, after, then you continue to talk and it's like, I, all of a sudden the, the vision of my father appeared and like, it, it was just all in you and you, and you unpack the story, what would it look like or whatever it may, you know, what, what did you see? What did you feel yeah. for me? when it happened to me, when I went through the experience for the first time I released my father's pain of his father, losing him leave. I'm sorry. Uh I released my father's pain of his father, leaving him when he was two. Uh It's something that's always been there with my father throughout his whole life. My conclusion was for me personally, my understanding as it I tried to contemplate it. Our parents are blobs two blobs of whatever they're made up of. Take a piece of one blob, a piece of another blob and you put them together, there you are. Your blobbiness is a result of their blobbiness, right? <laughs> now, you are born, you have experiences, there's culture, there's upbringing which you know, we have this this, uh, there's this idea of epigenetics. Our 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 genes are changing constantly. Right. They're always changing based on the experiences that we have. This is the root of evolution. Right? Right. So I have a lot of my father and mother, and but what's interesting is I also have their fathers and mothers and their fathers and mothers and their fathers and mothers. There's something deep within the evolutionary existence of humans, no different than the goose or the pig. Or You leave a pig out for a few months, it starts to grow tusks, only within a few months because it's a wild boar that's been domesticated. It's Mm -hmm. going to change very quickly. It's crazy. They get hair, the hairy, they get hairier really, really quickly. Right. They change. So we also change our genes change with our experiences, but what was deep within the essence of the the blob, which was part of me, which is part of my father was actually the stress and pain of his father leaving him. It's in me in part. Mm -hmm. And to what extent is my depression my depression or anxiety my anxiety?
1: We, in the field of uh, say again, it's a generational trauma that generational like, trauma. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's everything an interesting said, contemplation, but it's real in the DNA. Yeah. So when I say like we don't know where the thoughts gets my past life, like it, maybe it has nothing to do with you. Maybe it has to do with more with the fact you got cut off in the cat and the taxi on the way here. I
1: actually do. you didn't drink enough water. <laughs> I actually do watch some um, past life regression sessions on um, on YouTube. It's actually fascinating how you know fascinating they take them back to all the different lifetimes and sometimes they're not even human. But it, it's a very fascinating thing and how that helps them with their current life because some of it is tied to, I guess, who you were in your past life and some of the stuff you went through there that translates to you smoking cigarettes in this lifetime or something weird.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or or like some sort of stressor, right? Yeah. Weird personality
1: Uh, traits or something like that.
2: Or inclinations or dispositions, you know, um, for me being a teacher, it's not a decision. It's a, I am a teacher, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like a musicians, a musician, a mother's a mother. It's just what you are. Yeah. So the question is like, to what extent this gets into those, the, the in order I, we entertain that conversation. And, and um actually in my school, Saybrook university, they do a very good job. My, my, my focus in my PhD is clinical um, is it's clinical psychology, but it's consciousness, spirituality and integrative health. So the That's ideas of spirituality coming into the field of psychology is super important. And what's mm-hmm. interesting, I had learned this only, only a couple months ago, the root of the word psychology is the study of the soul, not the study wow. of the mind. I didn't know
1: that. I didn't know that.
2: <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> so to find that out and to study, like, uh, if anybody's interested in really learning more about like a particular psychologist or someone that at least I think is. Groundbreaking and cool. His name's Carl Jung, C.G. Jung, and I've Jung was a student. Yeah, so Jung was a student of Freud. Um, there's a number of books you can get. Um, Memories, dreams, and reflections. I think is a big one. Um, but he's you can YouTube them uh, A number of people talk about his work. Jordan Peterson has some really good lectures on son Jung's work. You can uh, you can search Jordan Peterson lecture, and he actually has them in, from the University of Toronto he put a camera up at the top when he was lecturing his, his,
1: yeah, his courses, his, his,
2: his, yeah, his yeah. classes. So you can check out some of Jung's work, but one thing he was important for was his understanding of the unconscious mind, his ex- explanation of the unconscious mind, but also archetypes, these ideas that with an archetype, it's, it's like the hero is an archetype. And there's the hero's tale In any hero's tale, you always see the same story, right? They're, they they're call to action, they reject mm-hmm. the call to action, but they have mm-hmm. no choice after a while. They have no choice, they, they have to do it. It's like they're calling, but there's something existential that's a threat that if they don't act, something more serious is gonna happen. And then they fight their fear and then they go through it and then they succeed and wasn't without challenge, but in the end, they've accomplished it, right? That's the, that's the hero tale. We all mm-hmm. have the hero archetype in our psyche, within mm-hmm. our personality. We have our own relationship with the, with the hero, everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's such a universal tale. And that's why they tell it in so many different ways. And we might relate with certain heroes and certain stories in different ways, right? Why well, they, they say it's important that the, the hero is represented in, in as many forms as it possibly can be. But the other side of the hero, as Jung would say, with the shadow, is the victim. Mm-hmm. So there's a the victim mentality. I'm not a hero, I'm a victim. I'm threatened and I'm beat down and I'm prevented from being able to be a hero by something outside of me, some sort of systemic system. Something's preventing this from happening. So if you're stuck in that victim shadow structure within the psyche, within the thinking, that's the default mode. That's how you, that's the lens through which you see everything as a victim, not as a hero who sees a challenge, who will overcome it. It's very interesting. And then there's the mother and there's the, the, the shadow mother the overbearing mother is the shadow of the mother archetype right yeah. the evil uncle is the shadow of the father archetype and you see these in these stories right so in the in the in those ideas i love it with the past life I, those those conversations there it's interesting because they'll look at those we're working through those archetypes over and over and over again yeah
1: mm-hmm. just, i like how everything is starting to integrate now like Things that were only in the spiritual realm is now coming into the science and other things. So even with quantum physics, they're discovering a lot of different things now that's used to be more theories. And but yeah, it's pretty interesting how everything is blending together.
2: Well, I think in order to understand things, at least for me anyway, it's, it's like you have to study those those other realms. Like, you know what I mean? It helps us to connect the dots. So, in psychology we it, it started it, the the basic principles were you know there was a world of biological processes, and you know things are going on in the brain, things are going on in the body, therefore, a type of thought will arise, right, or what I say and what I do is a result in part to biology it's also in part to culture and our upbringing, right We do what we do partly because of culture and society right. And our relationships with other people. you know this guy's an idiot so i have him responding like you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know what i mean someone's you're responding so and then uh or someone's beautiful and therefore you respond in that way you know whatever it may be um and then you also have like the they, they say the, the ideas of the of consciousness and thinking right uh-huh. cognitive processes so they would study the mind and cognitive processes and now the fourth pillar that's coming in is the spiritual element. And the idea is ultimately we're all spiritual beings. We're all seeking meaning in one way or the other. So if that's kind of a given coming in, we all have a brain. We all have something that drives us spiritually. Does it mean we have a soul? I don't know. right, But there's still, if nothing else, there's a drive towards something of beauty. There's a drive towards the unknown. There's a curiosity about, and we have our own relationship with it and how we all to, want to define it.
0: Do you think that the like the hero's tale and the victim um, characteristics or behavior is something that you're born with or something that's developed in the youth and you kind of grow into and become that?
2: I think yes and. Yes and. You're definitely... So the way that Jung would break it down, what he would say, we have all these archetypes, a whole bunch of different types, right? All these different ones. And the hero and the victim are essentially the hero is, right? When the hero appears, the idea is that the, where they have the archety- that, that type of uh, that, that, that happening within the mind and within the personality, particularly the personality, they're going to have the shadow automatically. With the existence of one, it's going to create the shadow. So that's all there within the personality. So we have apparently within the unconscious, Jung had this idea of this collective unconscious mind. Um, Not like a hive mentality, but like it's a collective unconscious that humans share. And his conclusion was because if he went to different cultures, all the cultures had the same stories or types of stories. Yeah, And they didn't communicate with each other. but they all had the same stories all they, most if not if not all i don't like you can't say all because all all is all but most civilizations or tribes or groups they would have music and dance they would have a belief system they would have some sort of projection about what made things work they all had language those are things we come with how it manifests is culture bound conditioning right so you can be pre as they in psychology, they would say you're predisposed towards something predisposed doesn't mean you're predetermined though. So you're predisposed to being a, a quality musician, but you're not predetermined to be a quality musician. Mm-hmm. It's not a given gotcha. that you're going to be a quality musician. Yeah. you got to right. practice and you got to put in your time, right? So when we have a in, that within the mind or within the psyche, within the collective unconscious, You're born, and the collective unconscious works into your unconscious, and then from your unconscious into the conscious mind as thought. That's where it appears. And then when you become a student of it, of your own relationship, you become a student of your own mind, using meditative and one-pointed practices to pull you under it and pull you into a state of presence and stillness quiet and feeling from which you look at that happening and then you start to dissect it right Mm -hmm. and then you can say okay this is the type of this is the relationship this is what I'm seeing and it's gonna happen with people but you can look into societies you can see it happening in society the heroes and the victims and it's there it's it's very very prevalent right so anyway when you ask the question you know are we born with it or is is it developed the answer is yes and then your relationship with it determines how you behave. Mm-hmm.
1: So, how do we encourage um, meditation practice to young people? How do we do we integrate it into the schools
2: or like? Well, with the with one point in mind, we have a, right now. There's online is a six week training program for teachers, and the first three weeks is to is to kind of get into the brain. We really study the brain quite a bit to understand what are the processes that are happening in the brain when it comes to learning, when it comes to focus and attention, when it comes to emotion and emotion regulation, emotional intelligence, however you might want to call it. And then we start to look at the the, the, the teacher's curriculum, their 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 demographic. Are they teaching five-year-olds or 15-year-olds? It's not the same thing, right? Um then the teacher begins to implement the ideas of a one-pointed focus whenever they can in in the classroom. So instead of just transitioning, so often in school, particularly middle school, high school, where they're changing classes a lot or in elementary school, if you're changing routine a lot, if you're going from this table over to that table, over to this table, now we're going to do, now you're going to go to music class. Now you're going to come back and we're going to go to PE. You're going to go to, you know, whatever elementary, you're going to go, you know, they're coming from recess, they're ripping from outside, and now they're gonna come into the classroom and the, the energy's transforming the space immediately. You got, you know, and they you have 23 seven-year-olds ripping in here sweaty and excited and blah, blah, Okay, now we're gonna read whatever we're gonna read. No, we're not gonna read. <laughs> they're not gonna read. They, you, you can try, but they'll struggle, right? So you can transition them consciously, get them into a, a, a one-pointed state quickly. And then it doesn't even need to be meditation, quote, unquote. You can do a beautiful little practice of breathing in the color of the feeling that you want to feel and breathing out the color of the feeling you don't want to feel. Breathing in the color that you want to feel in your chest, you could see it. What does it look for you? Is it smoke? Is it light? How does it move? Just watch it. Don't try to control it. Just watch purple come because that's your color. Your purple is coming in and then the green is going out and you can watch it. Just watch the light you're not focusing on the emotion, you're focusing on the color and the movement and the feeling and the presence. And then going into a state of presence pulls them out of the angst of the mind. It's like getting out of a pond, no different. You're just stepping out. And then once they step out and then they open their eyes, they're here. And then you can engage education. Now what you've done in that is you literally rewired the brain. Because if you look at frontal lobes of meditators, of, of pre-frontal, prefrontal, the frontal lobe is if you put your hand over your forehead, right? So that's reason, logic, critical thinking, and attention. The parietal lobe, behind the base, basically in the back of the brain, not the cerebellum, but the back of the brain, that's transfer of information and knowledge. The parietal lobe in the, in the, in the, in the frontal lobe, they find in certain types of meditation over periods of time. Regular, nothing, nothing fancy. It's just putting yourself in a one-pointed state of meditation. The connection between the frontal lobe and the, and the parietal lobe are increased. There's more neural processing and more neural connections. The hippocampus changes. The amygdala process is different. So you're literally, when you're putting yourself into a meditative state, you're changing the structures of the brain, which then change the processes of the logic and thinking in the mind. They're interdynamic.
0: I wish One had impacts had the other, which
2: impacts the could- other. Sorry, I said, I wish you had a,
0: a diagram or a chart to where you could show us the parts of the brain. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. And I'll have yeah, to I watch wish. it
0: back and look at I it. I have, back. I
2: have the PowerPoint. You want to get done? <laughs> yeah. uh, I got PowerPoints. definitely check me. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. But it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a cool thing. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting conversation. And then the, the teachers make it their own. We have a, uh, the week five, they we get an opportunity. They, they can study an area that, so, um, uh, uh, April, April, uh, well, name. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. she would probably go to ADD or ADHD if she was mm-hmm. taking the, the one point of mine six week training program. Okay. And I have literature and there's resources that we provide for someone who would want to do that. They want to focus on depression or bipolar leadership, whatever they might want to focus on. Week five is where we provide resources for them to, you know, search around a little bit. Uh, but it's good. It's all the way down to reconstructing your classroom for the, for the teachers, maybe restructuring their home and and the environment that they have got. How many people's couches are every, the living room is everything's focused around the television. You walk in and it's just like TV. Uh It's like the, it's like an amphitheater, you know, (laughs) but what if, what if you structured it differently? So actually if the chairs are facing each other, do you even, right? Mm -hmm. Um, just, just reconsidering how, how we, how we structure our environment and with the, the morning routine and process. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's there's 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 quite a bit to it, but it's it's worth it. I think. I mean, I, if I think back, if my teachers knew these practices and techniques, I think I think I would have been a different student. Yeah. I think I, if I was tra- if I was taught this, this isn't mm-hmm. talked about in in education. Uh, she mentioned in the, in that podcast too. Like, there's so much that you just you're not going to learn as a, as a young teacher going through teacher training. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you're not going to get this in university, but they should. They should. They absolutely should. This would be a should, should be a normal a normal part of training for, for an educator. And my nothing else is, is more important as far as I'm concerned. If the kids can't focus, the kid can't pay attention, then
1: you right. lost we're
2: wasting our time. Th- <laughs> we're wasting like our time, that. right? And it's an it's unfortunate. We're generations are being lost. And now with COVID and everything else that's going on with the, the issues that young kids are having, we're all having. My friend and I were on the phone this afternoon. We were talking about it. It's serious, man. It's like it's real. It's not. It's not a. It's not something that. I don't know. It's not something to be to be dismissed. I don't think. It's just too important.
0: Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of psychological trauma behind this whole thing, and meditation will be something that a lot of people will have to. As far as really be prescri- prescribed <laughs> eventually because yeah.
1: especially the kids yeah. everything changed for them like school is not even, even normal just, in a lot of places right now
0: breaking uh screen addiction is gonna be an all-time challenge
2: yeah week four of our program week four we talk about uh I was noticing this. Is, so my master's is in technology integration. My undergrad is in social studies, history, education. Then I got a master's and taught graduate graduate classes for teachers to, to integrate technology, to elevate learning. Mm. And I had, <laughs> it's actually really funny that it like, didn't take long, actually, where I developed a, a, a workshop where I started to teach. I went to Athens. I did some other leadership conferences for students and whatnot it was it was called striking the balance where i recommend and suggest we need to pump the brakes on the use of technology in education pump the brakes Mm -hmm. because often what we're doing is we're simply replacing the technology or we're we're let me say this we're introducing a technology that all but replaces paper you don't gain anything it's just now not on paper yeah it doesn't enhance the learning it's just now you're just doing this right if you're using technology to enhance learning in some way then nice okay Mm -hmm. but all too often we're not and what we're finding is when we get the kids online for research or whatever it is that they're doing which is necessary absolutely necessary Mm -hmm. um we're finding that it's changing and and with social media itself the the incessant use of technology is changing the way our brains work so the The screen addiction is no different than you know when you, st- you you give kids any other drug or give an adult any other drug,
0: right.
2: right? You can't. It's not to suggest like screen addiction is a is a is a problem for kids. You know, she talked about that in that podcast as well. It's a it's it's a yeah. it's a it's a it's an issue for everybody. Everybody, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm glad I don't get a lot of phone calls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but what's interesting, you know, it's 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 that same. Instead of going to the breath, you just go to the phone, yeah. but it's looking yeah. for the gratification. It's looking for the stimulation. So the, the, the screen addiction in, in many ways is actually a chemical, it's a chemical addiction that we have to the hormone of the excitement or of the trigger. So when we're triggered by something and not necessarily just likes, but we get it, we get it with likes. We get that, we get that, that feel good hormone. That's yeah. analogous. Actually, it's not even analogous, it's the same drug we get for love and sex. It's the same hormone, the same neurotransmitter mm. and amongst others. Right? right? So when we see that, we see that YouTube video. That's like, oh, well, this is, this is going to be a good one. We get that. It's a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a physical addiction. That's what we're seeking is the drug. So the question is, what do you do to replace that and to break it? And it's not an easy answer. It isn't at all. Um, but culture is a big one. You know, your family's culture, you, particularly for the kids, you know, like, yeah. So many stories that I've had with parents dumbfounded by how much control the kids have over their own technology. Yes. Oh, I yeah. It's tough now I because, just don't understand.
1: Because even, you know, I've had family where they're struggling between like, do you introduce like the iPad to them early on? Or, you know, I know family that didn't want to introduce technology to the kid, but then realized that. They see benefits in the, the learning that they get from the technology, but then it's like where do you draw the line between like I guess screen addiction and like getting value out of the technology? It's it's kinda hard now. Cut trying off to times. Decide as a parent, yeah.
0: You just gotta manage those cut off times very, very well.
2: Are you guys are parents? Well
0: no. <laughs> I, I have a daughter oh, that's yeah. basically yeah. an adult, so <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh
2: yeah you know for us um I, how old are you guys i'm 43
0: i'm 38 34 right.
2: 34 huh? i was yeah. that was a general question gypsy i wasn't asking you directly <laughs> but you happen to answer it <laughs> no i'm i'm not uh
1: i'm yeah, not one of those But i think you guys care. you
2: guys are you're <laughs> yeah so i'm not that not that much i mean but even, you know like even even those eight years difference that we may have it's, it's not nothing. And the, and, 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 I'll only say that because it was such an interesting change culturally for us in the West yeah. and many other mm-hmm. people as well. When you get in, into the, into the, you know, the, the introduction within, within the mid nineties of social, late nineties, right? Like, I don't know the exact dates and things like that, but the internet was around just as I was coming through high school, anyone behind me, that was normal, completely normal middle school. We didn't have it. It didn't exist. So we were doing card catalogs and library, blah blah blah. For me, it didn't mm-hmm. exist, right? And then in my early twenty, in my late teens and early twenties, and Facebook started to pop up. And what's this about? And blah, blah. I'd already established my sense of identity, my personality, my my interpersonal dynamics. That was already established long before that stuff came around. Right now, what's happening is these kids inter their interpersonal dynamics are established in, oh, on a screen,
0: on those not in a oh, yeah.
2: face right? Not with the eyes, not with the movement of the mouth. So that matters a lot, um, a lot, man. And, in how we develop, uh, it's, it, it's on and on. It's, it's just, it, it goes in, it goes in complete circles. That's a podcast alone, which <laughs> still wouldn't suffice to understand the complexity of the, of, of what it all is. So for me, it's about, you know, there's, there's, there's a, you know, like Silicon Valley executives send their kids to school that that don't use technology on purpose.
0: Mm. I didn't know that because they understand they
2: know darn well. And, and many of them also. And I know this firsthand knowledge with my own family, who family member, who is a Google, uh, he's in California, (laughs) but he's up there and brilliant kids, brilliant, utterly brilliant. My, 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 my cousin, she was, Borderline genius going through high school just crushed. Right. Uh, meanwhile, I, I was a plumber. I became a plumber. So so. Um, but she married a guy, and he's they, they're they're exactly he's an executive, and their their kids very little technology. If any, many of them like during the week there's no technology, mm-hmm. and then the weekend they get a couple of hours to do their games and whatever, and that's it. You play, you do puzzles, you read, you draw, you do whatever, do something. Right. What that the difference is is that it requires your active engagement and your your it's it's tangible and it's kinesthetic, not yeah. scream. So when I started to do the plumbing jobs this, these past couple of weeks just to help some people out, I found it very interesting because for the past six months I've been working on the computer completely. Mm-hmm. Getting OPM running, you know, my PhD work and blood, it's all you know, everything's online, emails and social media posts and interviews and cutting stuff down and making movies and it's all there. But when I got out and I started to do the plumbing again, I was just like, God, I absolutely love this. First of all, I'm speaking to people, yeah, face to face, which was really mm-hmm. weird. How that was noticeably foreign, but beautiful. <laughs> and like, I all of a sudden I, I was just like, Oh my God, I I love people so much. <laughs> you know, it's just like I love people so much. But then I started to actually put the parts together and start to build the the systems, and you know, and yeah. everything. It's like, Oh man, I miss this. I really yeah. do um and like you were saying earlier that it was for, for your father with the carpentry it was a completely different like okay i need to sit down and wow this is really interesting because i was a teacher for 12 years i haven't done it and i've you know yeah so getting mm-hmm. back into it it's really it's a really really interesting process um but but absolutely beautiful so yeah for the kids pump the brakes in the technology as soon as possible not evil, not evil. Just yeah. let's think about it. Let's just, let think about let's it. Swap you know, that's all I'm saying. Yeah,
0: trying to get a good swap out and get them out into nature a little more and keep that outdoor. Just, you know, yeah. yeah. Away from tech.
1: There's a balance with everything. Like I'm, I'm a, I spend a lot of time on the computer because I'm a web developer by day but at the same time, there was a span of time where, you know, I just wanted to do something else, something that required me going outside cause I hated being in cubicles and there's no windows and all of that stuff. Um, so there's, I don't know. I think there's always a balance. Um, cause I, in my spare time, I do everything outside like hiking and rock hounding and snorkeling and doing different things. So like there's a balance, um, that you have to have with technology in general. Yeah. It's not saying it's evil and you don't need it. We do need it. It's helped us in society, but there's
0: a lot of that depends on where you live as well. <laughs> <laughs> How often it you does. get outside. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We were in Shanghai. I was in Shanghai for the past four years. And prior to that, I was in the middle East to so taught in the middle East for eight years. And man, when it's hot, and you're in Saudi Arabia. It's like <laughs> Dude, it's hot. It's hot, you know.
1: So what's and your... you go
2: outside and it's just dusty, windy, and it's just like oh, it's 120 out here. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I guess I go back on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: So what's your favorite place that you've traveled so far?
2: Man, oh man, that's imp- you know it's, it's funny, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know when I when I was in New Zealand a couple of years ago, we went to New Zealand for Christmas, and I was I was one I was like this is this the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my life? New Zealand is just stunning, just stunning the South Island just they they filmed Lord of the Rings there, so oh, okay. it's like it's crazy, it's crazy. It's so beautiful, okay. uh, but my, my I think my conclusion was that it's like ice cream, yeah, like what's your favorite ice cream? like yeah, maybe maybe cookies and cream, maybe a little mint chocolate chip, a <laughs> little rocky road. Today's coffee. I'm getting coffee. You know, so it's like there's there's so many. Like you know, you 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 when you find yourself standing in front of the, the, the pyramids in Giza. Mm. And if you really stop, you can't like I don't know how you don't cry. That's don't happened know. to
1: when me somewhere before. Yeah, no, I haven't where? been to the pyramids, but no, uh, nonetheless, the, nonetheless. I definitely want to go yeah, there, um, go. but uh, in Milan, uh, the Duomos, the cathedral is there, and I've seen pictures of it, um, but when I got there, I got out of the, there's like an underground metro, I got out, and I'm looking around like, where is it? And it was right behind me, turn, r- as soon as I saw it, I was like, I got (laughs) teary-eyed because i'm like i'm into architecture and europe is just like amazing for that and it was just so much detailed in the building and it was just just a piece of artwork basically and it just like took blew me away
2: you know what's interesting about as you're saying that when we were speaking you know less related to our conversation that we're currently having about one point of focus and meditative states and emotion and movement and connection and Feeling, 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 truly feeling. When you see that, uh, it's just it's bang, right? Yeah. Utter yeah. presence, utter presence. Yeah. And then what we do is we start to label it. We start to try to define. We, that's that's our first move. That's that's the way the mind is. That's the way the brain is. Make sense of this and understand it. But there's something underneath there that's beyond the interpretation.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. And that's that feeling. And if we can resonate with it and if we touch it as much as we possibly can from my experience that's what's tapped when you're in a deep meditative state that's stillness Mm -hmm. and you're more likely to resonate with things of you're more likely to notice those things because you're present with them you know how many times like you could walk past that over and over and over and we've done this i've done this with people walk past them every, every day, every day, not even paying attention. It just, that's just, I'm I'm not, for no good reason. It's just, that's the way my day was, my life was, I didn't know them that well. And then when you really sit with them and really focus with them and you get to know them, it's like, what a beautiful person. Like, just ridiculous, right? so it happens so often. Our walks, JAPA, J-A-P-A, take a JAPA walk with a, it's a beautiful meditation. Anybody can do this. You find a mantra a mantra is a word or a phrase that brings it. the idea is that it's going to invoke a certain feeling or bring something forward right A mantra meditation or something what's that
0: affirmation more
2: could be an affirmation it could be a prayer as we mentioned before you talk about prayer and religion it can be a prayer doesn't necess- it doesn't it doesn't matter in the sense only that it 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 resonates with you that's right. that's all that matters that it resonates with you it could be anything right but pre- preferably not an egoic superficial you the, the mantra isn't the visualization of a red car right mm. that's not what we're looking Just for the mantra is
0: vibration something
2: feeling. that yes and it, that's right a, you could call it a positive vibration or maybe even a higher vibration mm-hmm. okay but yes um enhancement something that's going you know anyway so um om mani padmi hum is a, is a popular buddhist one there's uh there, there's countless ones, countless ones. Isha. I, I used one for a while. Isha was, it was translations of Jesus. Mm. Just, I heard it. It resonated. So I, I sat with that for a while months. I sat with Isha and then you hear it in the center of the chest. So your awareness moves into the center of the chest and the voice doesn't come from the head. The voice comes from the center. And that's where you hear it in the center. So when you practice moving your awareness down and the the sound of it comes from the center, you sit there and you listen to it while you're walking. And then you just observe the trees without labeling it as tree, but you see it and you observe it just as you see the cathedral and you don't need to define it as cathedral. It's just looking. And then you said you, you notice the intricacies Well, notice the increase the intricacies of a, of a leaf mm-hmm. or of the bird that you're walking by without the label of it, just purely looking, purely seeing, not labeling, mm-hmm. listening to the mantra. That's your that's your five minute walk. Or That's, you know, after lunch or before lunch or midday, get out, do whatever it is that you need to do. You can do the dishes with your mantra in the center of the chest, do the dishes with that, right? Mm-hmm. And you're there. So gypsy earlier asked what do i do how do i tell a friend or if they're dealing with these things using a mantra as a practice from that noise that whatever the negative noise we could define as negative per se just bring it back to the mantra just keep coming back and then the more you you divert the another analogy they use is uh like a river if you're trying to divert the movement of the water of the river if you take your finger one stroke at a time You'll eventually reroute that river, but it's only a little bit of water. And then as the more water runs, the water will begin to dig its own trench. And then the water will ultimately divert from the current river direction to the new river direction. Same with thinking, same with thought. And you're talking about years of work (laughs) from my experience, years of work. But anything worth losing, the only thing you have to lose is worth losing from my point of view.
0: I don't think you lose anything with meditation no absolutely yeah. really nothing get a lot of peace of mind and understanding for me it's just the mm. consistency being able to consistently yeah. do it
2: yeah. so if you focus on the idea from me but the conclusion ultimately was if i can put myself focused on the ideas of just being one-pointed that's a, that, that can help me a lot that helped me a lot you know and i couldn't call it meditation because i was teaching in the middle east at the time and and if i use the word meditation it was in muslim countries and there was negative connotations with the word wow
1: i was gonna ask actually like you're going around the world and and teaching this stuff and it's like do you find that some cultures are already equipped with the information or have certain a culture that helps them understand it a little bit better or do you feel like certain countries received it a little bit better than
2: others? So. Yeah, it's tough to generalize. Yeah. I would say uh, it's, it's, it's a trap that we can find ourselves into with, and with, in, in, in not to discredit your question, because it's, 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 it's a purpose. It's a great question. What I had found with the Middle East, the Middle Eastern countries, um, particularly with Muslims that were, they were more disciplined to say like they would do their prayers I had seen from my point of view and many, it's not an original thought, but prayer is a meditation, yeah. but you can also be in a state of prayer where it's an egocentric prayer where I am yeah. here and God is there and everything's outside of me. You're not going within to commune with God or godliness or that experience, the divinity Go in and commune with it and feel it inside. That's a different prayer. And it's a different state. So, from I thought it was really interesting that they do the they do the the, the their prayers, the t- typical Muslim prayers, five times a day. And living there was cool because you hear the call to prayer in the mosques. Yeah. It echo, you know They they send it out even you know whatever four a.m. It's the yeah. prayer going out. The mic- megaphones, man, they blast it, they blast yeah. it. So, uh, if I was wondering, boy, I wonder what, how my life would change if I if I meditated for five minutes a day. Five times a day, oh. or if I meditated five times, five minutes a right. day, yeah. what my life would be like? Like, well, how would I change? And that devotion, the commitment to that's very interesting as well. The ritual of it, the practice of it—it it doesn't need to be ritual in the sense of the, uh, the ritualistic religious practice, right? Because Re- really, religion is a is a way of life. It's a set of practices. That's yeah. the religion, right? And then a belief system. It, often, religious uh, religion is built upon a belief system, which you get deities and gods and practice, you know, whatever you're supposed to believe. You're supposed to think this. Well, within that, you also get behaviors and actions, ritualistic practices, practice of of, of prayer before food. It's one of the things I've learned to greatly appreciate is a quick little just just close your eyes and just sit, find your stillness in your center before you eat every time you eat, every time you eat. And once it becomes a ritual and a practice, you find it has a lot of really beautiful benefits. And if somebody were to find themselves in communion with God in prayer and feeling a sense of love and, and connection, then awesome. But you can still feel that when you're going through the process of like having a little still session before. I like stillness sessions. I also call them stillness sessions as a teacher as well. Okay. Find a little stillness session and just, just get your center. Uh, and you can get the benefit of that as well the same benefit as someone who's praying to God be, being grateful for the food, you know, don't get me started on gratitude. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, definitely grateful. Gratitude is one of my favorite hashtags. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's powerful, man. Getting into the brain. That's a beautiful thing about what happens in the brain when, when you're, when you invoke a, a state of gratitude
0: Yeah,
2: before you end your meditations or before you move on from whatever it is that you're doing, You tell your, your, your final intention is to, is to bring the awareness of something that you're grateful for anything, right? It changes everything. You go from a sense of lack to a sense of, of fulfillment, of fullness, just, and it's crazy, man. It's just a thought and it changes your biology. It changes your sympathetic system, parasympathetic system, you, you know, and these are these little beautiful little things that you can do and try to integrate.
1: Yeah. I've actually started I start my meditation with a gratitude session first and then get into the meditation. Do I don't it at know the start. Yeah. Well, I started that but I just was like a good way to get into the meditation, I guess.
2: Mm. Well, it so, takes you out of that ego sense of lack, which yeah. is the voice of the ego, right? I lack. Instead of saying I lack something, I w- grateful
0: I'm grateful for
2: you grateful for um. It's a it's it's you know, it's fulfillment. It's full it's fullness, right? Yeah fullness yeah
0: it's been a great talk with you we're not going to hold you too too long i was going
1: to say before um you go uh, tell them where they can find you and your, your program
2: all right so you can go to the onepointed mind.net the one mind.net is the site for the teacher training program it outlines it you know the prices and it's, it's all it's all there We're building the YouTube channel, the one-pointed mind. Uh, One-pointed is hyphenated for the record. Uh, Instagram got the one-pointed mind. It's all right. I'm getting, I'm trying, you know, but like, you know, we're a startup, you know, they just retired from teaching. So we're getting that rolling. Uh, The the whole social media thing's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball of wax getting into all that. But LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn. We can communicate through LinkedIn. Steve Lawrence, the one-pointed mind on LinkedIn as well um yeah reach out
0: well it's been a pleasure talking with you and i appreciate you giving us your time and consideration and being on the podcast we'd like to thank everyone that has been listening everyone that has been supporting pressing like sharing commenting and you can
1: find us at americangypsy.com gypsy spelled g-y-p-c And you'll find um, all our links to our merch, uh, YouTube channel, and our Patreon for our memberships. And thank you for listening. Thank you again.
0: And consistent self-improvement, everyone.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you.